do. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight as we continue to continue to talk about being disciples. Uh, we don't have any streaming tonight, and that's okay. I'm always okay with that, actually. I feel bad for those that aren't on the other side of the camera, but I don't mind at all. I love it. And I just want to give a quick uh, plug to continue to pray, church, for our, our landlord, Jimmy, and, and his heart and uh, his decision-making. Uh, Pastor Mario and I were talking about this on Sunday, and we're just simply waiting. We haven't been, I haven't said a whole lot, uh, and I don't want to say a lot, especially when things are on live streams and stuff, because he, he doesn't want me to say stuff, because we are still figuring this whole construction thing out. But I had a good conversation with him yesterday, and and um, he's, he's not against us. He's with us. He's on board. He wants to see it happen. He's just feeling some things out. And if you guys know him, he's very methodical, and he thinks everything out a million times before he does something. And so he, he's just waiting for some feedback from a few uh, builders that he knows on which direction we're going to take. So it's not that we're not going to – it's not if we're going to do it, it's when. That we're going to knock this wall out and expand the sanctuary and make room for more growth. So – Continue to pray for that. Continue to be faithful in your giving as you have been. Let's continue to uh, put money in, into the kingdom of God so that we're going to be able to just do that quickly and reach souls. Amen? But I just want you to know that God is moving in that. I feel peace about it. We just need um, God's acceleration. It will be in God's perfect time. Amen? So I want to continue tonight on making disciples part three. It's the third week. We're going to get into some more things that God expects of us and as we continue to go over these things every time you hear these verses you're going to realize this is not how the world acts the things that Jesus expects us to do as disciples is not how Jesus or the world does things the quicker you get that understanding the quicker you're going to become a disciple the quicker you become a disciple the quicker you're going to have fruit in your life it's just that simple and so remember this if you're taking notes tonight disciples are made not born Disciples are made, not born. Think about this. How many know parents are made, not born? You don't, you don't get a manual and you become a parent that tells you how to parent. You figure out parenting as you go along and you listen to wise counsel and people help you and, and, and the church helps and messages help. And so it's the same thing with anything. We, we are not made disciples or born disciples. We're not born already following Christ. We're born, as a matter of fact, sinners, rebellious with attitudes and, and carnal nature, and God has to make us into disciples. And that's what we're talking about tonight. And so the continued question is, am I a disciple? You should be asking yourself, am I a disciple? The very beginning of that, I would tell you this, you're, no matter how much you think you are a disciple, you don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. None of us have it all together, but here's the key. Do you have an attitude that says, teach me? Do you have an attitude to learn? Are you, are, are you desiring to be discipled? If you have that desire, 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 sorry, you're already on the right track. So if you want to learn and you want to be discipled, then you're already on the right track. Remember that the disciple, word disciple means learn, learning and disciplined in instruction. So that's willing to be talked to, willing to be taught, willing to be corrected, willing to be aligned. When our lives get out of alignment, God wants to align us through his word. We have to be willing to allow him to align us. So we're going to start off again, Matthew chapter 22, with the text we've been looking at to remind you of what the key is to being a disciple. we got to get this right. If we don't get this right, we won't get the other ones right. 
One of them, an expert of religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must. Remember again, that's not a question. It's a commandment. You must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. I was praying this morning. And I was saying, Lord, I, I, I believe in my heart that I love you with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my strength. Lord, if I don't in any way love you the way I'm supposed to love you, show me where I'm lacking. Show me where I'm missing. I want to get this right. I was praying that this morning. Lord, I want, to, I want to love you with everything that I am. And then it says, and this is the first and greatest commandment. So, church, we've got to get that right. You've got to get your vertical relationship with the Lord right. That's the thing you should be working on the most. Always you should be working on your vertical relationship with the Lord. A lot, a lot of times the problem with people have in discipleship and walking with the Lord is they're working on their horizontal relationships and they're not working on their vertical relationship. We're trying to fix other people around us or we're trying to watch other people around us or we're trying to listen to other people around us when our vertical is not in the right place. When you get your vertical right with God and God is number one in your life and he has your attention and you trust him like Pastor Mario said and your life is in his hands, all the horizontal stuff falls into place like dominoes. It's a fact. So we have to continue to work on that every single day. We should be asking the Lord, Lord, do I love you with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength? Am I totally surrendered to you? Am I totally yours? And then he says, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So basically, I told you three weeks ago that discipleship is not as easy and being a Christian is not as easy as everybody makes it out to be. And we've talked about how so many people tend to pull out their Christian wallet and pull out the grace card on all these things that they want to do for, for sin. Or if it's not a sin thing, they want to pull out their grace card and, and, say, and be lazy or, or not be committed or not be a good husband or not be a good wife or not be faithful to the Lord. And they just, grace, God, God, by your grace, I can be lazy. By, God, by your grace, I can just go through the motions and slide into heaven safe. In the day of judgment. That's not what God calls to be. He called us to do some things. He said we are saved. In other words, we are allowed to come into his kingdom and be on his team by grace. Does everybody understand that your, your entrance, your ticket, your membership, your allowance to be a child of God, your adoption comes through nothing short of grace. Nothing more than grace. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We can't be good enough. We can't be too bad. Can anybody be thankful for that? Can't be too bad. You can't be too good. It's simply grace. He says, "You want to." He says, here's, "Here's my requirement. You believe in me, you can follow me." So all you gotta do is believe. Isn't that what the scriptures say? Believe in me. But then he says, "Now that you believe, now, now I've got your attention." He says, "I got." Some things I expect of you. I expect you to live a certain way, talk a certain way, walk a certain way, and the rest of our lives, say that with me, the rest of our lives, we are going to be walking in that way of discipleship forever. 
I've never seen anybody graduate from discipleship. You don't get a diploma, you don't get a, an award, you don't get a plaque and say, he's done. Discipleship is all your life. All your life. You never stop being discipled. You never stop being disciplined in learning. Think about that. If someone was a disciple for 30 years, and in their 31st year, they stopped being disciplined in instruction, what good did the 30 years do? So discipline, that, that, that meaning of discipline and instruction means I'm going to stay disciplined, and you're going to watch in your lives that the times where you're not being disciplined in instruction from the Word is when you're falling, when you're making mistakes, when you're being carnal, when you're acting out on your own intentions and the things that you want to do. And so it's very important that we understand this is a process of life. It is the middle of our vision, and it's, we're, all, we're all always there. Amen? Does everybody understand that? We're all always there in the middle, we're teaching. We're receiving teaching. We're being instructed. We've already been reached. We haven't been sent yet, maybe in the sense of a pastor, but you've been sent to be, go, go reach other people. But you've already been reached. Now you're in the teaching process. The more of a disciple you become, the more your people you're going to send. Amen. The more people you're going to reach, and you're going to have that crown in heaven because of the discipleship that you allow to be in your life. So I want to quickly go over some of the things we've already been over. I told you three weeks ago, there's about 40 to 50 commands that Jesus expects of us. And how many understand that he didn't go, hey, here's some ideas. Here's some things that if you're, you know, if you're bored, if you don't really know what to do, if you just kind of have a lot of extra time, try these things. How many know that's not how he taught? He said these are, he said basically in these words, follow me, take up your cross, deny yourself, follow me, and walk with me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Denying ourselves is a daily thing. Dying to myself is a daily thing. Have you died today? I died this morning in prayer. Lord, I, I, I love you with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, my strength. Lord, I died to you this morning. I died to my flesh. I died to my desires. How many, not, don't have to raise your hands, how many, if you didn't know, if you didn't do that this morning, you might have acted out on some things you shouldn't have acted out on. Because you didn't die to yourself. You didn't die to your flesh. And you might have walked out some things in the flesh because you weren't in the spirit. So it's a daily thing of discipline. Now here's some of the, some of the ones we've already been over. This is the reach part. This is the one you have to have to start all the rest. It was You must be born again. I'm just going over these in case someone is catching this on the third, third night. You must be born again, meaning you must be saved. Number two, you must forgive. He didn't ask if you feel like it, if you want to forgive. He says you must forgive. Number three, we must abide or remain in him. And then number four, this is where we left off last week. We left off with let your light shine before men. How many understand tonight that God has called us to be light? The world is dark. We're the only light. So if we're not shining, then the world's dark. And that's where it comes into what we talked about a few weeks ago. If people are dying and going to hell, whose fault is it? Our fault. 
because we're not being the light. We have to be the light. We have to shine and be light before men. That's why God called us to do. Um, number five. We're going start, to start off tonight. This is where we left off last week or two weeks ago. Number five. Here's a new one. Jesus' command. Discipleship. This is, again, things God is telling, Jesus is telling us to do and, and, and on a daily basis. Get rid of, number five, lust and whatever causes you to sin. Okay, he says get rid of the things in your life, like, and he gives the example of lust, and whatever causes you to sin. Let's look at Matthew 5, verses 27 to 30. I've been using the New Living Translation in this series. And we, we deal with this a lot in men's discipleship as men. I've told you this before. Men, I, I can only teach a man how to be a man. I cannot teach a woman how to be a woman. I've never been a woman. I'm never going to be a woman, amen, even though in this day and age we live in, you could choose. But I'm not going to be a woman. And women have never been a man, and so women don't know how to be, teach a, a man how to be a man, and a, woman doesn't, a man doesn't know how to teach a woman how to be a woman. And so we have to understand that we have roles in the church, we have roles in our family. That's why God intended a man to lead as the husband and a woman to lead as the wife. And there's that role in the family so that those kids can see what a man is supposed to look like and what a woman is supposed to look like. How they act, how they talk, how they walk. And the Bible teaches us all those things. Can I get a better amen? And so he says to the men specifically, because I, again, I can't say for a woman that this is a problem, but he, he was hitting hard to the men and he's always hit extra hard to the men because the men have the greatest spiritual responsibility. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Is that not biblical? Man. Guys. Can you try that again? You must have been just already on the next step or something. Men have the greatest responsibility. Christ is the head of the church, and the man is head of the house. And we have to lead. Amen. We have to be responsible. So he hits the men and he says, verse 27, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. Now I want to say something about this real quick because this is something that's I've learned over the years that's really amazing to me. A lot of times people, in just general, general speaking, teaching, teachers, theologians, they tend to make the New Testament seem easier because we're, under the, we're in the age of grace. So they tend to make the New Testament seem easier. Now we've got it easier than they did in the Old Testament. When you begin to read the Bible and study the Bible, you begin to find out that Jesus' expectations were higher than the Old Testament prophets. Do you realize that? Higher. Not less. Some, some, for some reason, and this goes into that gos, greasy grace, the teaching has become today that you just do whatever you want. Everything goes. There's no accountability. Jesus is just this nice guy, this wonderful, loving guy that's okay with everything because he's love. But you don't see that in the scriptures. You see that what Jesus does, and we're going to see here in a second, he takes a commandment from the Old Testament, and he doesn't go, you heard what they said about adultery. Obey that. He goes, you've heard what they said about adultery. 
Now I'm going to take this to another level. I'm going to make this a little more deep. I'm going to make this a little more straightforward. I'm going to make this a little harder. So that you can really understand that I'm not come to uh, abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it. I haven't come to expect you to not obey the law. I've come to, matter of fact, expect you to do more because, because of that grace that you have. Because you didn't earn your salvation, I expect more of you. So watch what he says. You've heard what the commandment says. You must not commit adultery. But I say anyone. Say anyone. Look at this. So we know in the Old Testament that adultery was a man or a woman committing an affair with another person that was married. And that was it. It was an act. It was a physical act. Matter of fact, they would get stoned. I remember reading a book in the in, in, in maybe junior high or high school called The Scarlet Letter. Did anybody else read that book? And they, if they committed adultery, they put a big old A on their clothes. So they didn't get to wear Guess or Nike or they wore the A. That they were an adulterer. That they had been caught in the physical act of adultery. So back then, it was easier to see because they were labeled. They were caught. They were labeled. It was physical. And that was what adultery was. But watch what, watch what Jesus says. This is just a really great moment here to see how Jesus' expectations are higher. And let me just throw this out again in case. I know I'm taking a while on this, but to remind you, it's been a couple weeks, that remember, Jesus said in John 6, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I hope some of you or a lot of you or most of you or all of you read John 6. When he's talking to his disciples and he's saying, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. And he's giving this hard teaching. And these disciples say, man, this is tough teaching. We're out. We're out. And a bunch of them stop following Jesus. And Jesus looks at the rest of his disciples and says, and we have two doors here. He goes, there's the doors. Does anybody else want to leave? That's what he did. So this is, this is tough teaching. Does anybody see? Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to make our salvation out of works. I've, I've been very clear about that. We are not saved by anything we can do. We're saved by grace. But once we get saved, there is a high expectation. And I think this is why so many churches are full of sin. Because they don't preach the expectations that Jesus has for us. This is true discipleship. Amen. And I know that it, maybe it's not as, you don't get as many amens in a discipleship service or message, but this is what makes a church strong when you talk about the real issues. And so remember that as we're saying these things and reading these things, Jesus at any moment, he could have said, remember, there's the door. You don't have to be here. How I many know oh, nobody was paid to be here tonight? Nobody came because anybody forced you to be here tonight. You are here because you want to be. And at any moment, you can leave. Jesus has given you salvation. He's got heaven waiting for you. He has a perfect, amazing, beautiful life for, laid out for you that you're going to have many afflictions in, by the way. But he's going to deliver you from them all. He has it all planned out. But he says at any moment, you're willing, you're welcome to walk away. And people do. People do walk away all the time. They walk away, they go back to their, the Bible says they go back to their vomit. They go back to their old ways. They say, I, 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 this is tough, this is difficult. I remind you, church, Jesus said, 
the road to salvation in heaven is as wide as I-35. That's not what it says. It says it's narrow. It's skinny. It's tight. I remember just, just saved hearing this preacher say it's tight, but it's right. Tight, but it's right. It's tight. It's tough. It's narrow. It's, it's, it's a straight way, meaning I can't just do whatever I want. And broad is the road to destruction. So he says, narrow is the road to salvation. Few there find it. Broad is the way to destruction. Many find it. Why? Because he has high expectations. Why should he have high expectations? Because he did the highest thing. He went to the cross. He died for our sins. He paid a price no one's ever been able to pay. He has all the rights to have ex these expectations. Are you still here? But I say, so he says, again, you must not commit adultery. But Jesus says, I'm going to take that up, not just a notch, but a whole bunch of notches. I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Right? That's strong. Just looking. No touchy. Right? Lots of people think, if as long as I don't touch, I'm good. I can look, but I can't touch. I used to hear, I can look, but I can't touch. No, you can't. That's not biblical. Jesus says, no, you can't even look. And men, I'm, I'm talking to the men because, again, I don't know what women go through. Men, we have to learn to turn our heads. We talk about this a lot in men's discipleship. A lot. Because it's something that, and again, I can't t say this enough. I, I'm, I, don't, I don't know what women deal with because I'm not that, but I know men have this struggle. But it can be overcome. Remember, there's nothing in this Bible that Jesus would ask us to do that we cannot do. And you really begin to see why he said, Paul said, I can do all things on my own power. I can do all things with willpower. All things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do this. I can do this, but not in my own power. Jesus can help me, and you can get victory over that. And so we read a few weeks ago all those stats, staggering stats. Remember about pornography and how ABC and NBC and CBS and the NBA and the NFL and Major League Baseball all make less money than the porn industry? So it's a problem. And I think Jesus probably knew it was a problem. And it wasn't a problem just today. It was a problem back then, too. And so he was seeing what the Pharisees were doing, and he was like, well, they're just, they're, they're, they're doing their little things behind the scenes, or, or they're looking at women, and they're not touching, but they're lusting in their heart. And, and he says, I, I, I'm not okay with that, so I'm not just going to let you get away with the doing the physical act, I'm going to make sure that you understand that you have sinned and fallen short even if you look with lust in your eye. Now, a lot of times you can't avoid what you see, 
And the sin is not the first glance. The sin is when you begin to go with it. The sin, and that's with anything. Taking this off of lust or pornography or, or sexual or anything, if you were uh, tempted to take something that was yours, not yours, sorry, the, the temptation to sin is not a sin. Remember, Jesus was tempted, but he did not sin. So being tempted is not a sin. Having something in front of you that is, that is wrong, that's not the sin. The sin is when you give into it and begin to look, begin to think, begin to go beyond. Amen? Are you with me? That's the sin. And that's our daily walk is why we die to ourselves so that we can do what he's telling us here that we can ha in this situation. Look at a woman, be able to see something in front of us that's not in our control, turn our head, think of something else, and, and not, not lust, not go there, and get past that temptation and not fall into sin. We can do that. You can have an opportunity for what we might call a blessing that's not a blessing, it's stealing, but you look at it as a blessing because it's an opportunity for something free. Today, we, I, I went, we went to Sam's and bought some chairs, two chairs, and I scanned it with the thing, you know, you hit it twice, dun -dun, and it beeped twice. And so then I started trying to scan some other things, some trash bags and stuff for the church, and as I was scanning it, Nothing was happening, so the lady came over, and, you know, he buys something. I don't I have no idea why they were asking for a warranty on a chair, but they were. Five years. And so that button had stopped, and so I checked out and everything, bought some stuff personal, some from the church, and I get to the door, lady checks everything, and I get to the second door, and I look at the receipt, and I'm like, there's only one chair in here. I'm already out the door. I'm past the lady. That's a temptation to go, man, Lord, the Lord just blessed the church today. We got a free chair. Amen. So the temptation could be there or the thought, well, this is God's blessing. And, but see, that's not God's blessing. That's stealing. I didn't pay for that chair. You can look at it however you want to look at it. So I turned around, went all the way back in, talked to the lady at the thing and said, here, I said, this is your honesty of the day move. And she was blown away that I came back in because I was already past the person. I didn't, it's not like I, you know, it, it wasn't, wasn't intentional. Scanned it, got the receipt, bought it. How many understand what I'm saying? Those things happen all the time. You know, a lot of times we, you can buy something at a place and they don't charge you, especially at a fast food or a restaurant. You know who's going to pay for that? That poor person that makes $5, $7 an hour is going to come out of their check. We think it's a blessing from God that we didn't, that, that we got, you know. Are you with me? That's not just the lust part. He's saying, you know what sin is? You know what the Bible says the definition of sin is? To knowing what's to do right and not doing it. That's the definition of sin. And so that's going to be in us all the time. Every day we're going to have these opportunities. So keep reading here with me. He takes it to another level. So he says, what do we do? What do we do to get rid of sin? And he gets crazy serious here. So he says, and this is what we talk about sometimes, that we don't take sin serious enough. Why are we not victorious? Because we don't take sin serious enough. Jesus took it really serious. Church, we want, 
I, I know I'm spending a lot of time. I had no intention to spend this much time on this number. I've kind of flown through the rest of them, but there's a lot here. We tend to not understand that we, we, we want God's blessings. We want his peace. We want his joy. We want his favor, but we don't want to make stands. We don't want to live righteous lives. And maybe I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just throwing examples out. Maybe we're all doing it perfectly right here. I hope we are. But a lot of times we think, man, God, I want your blessings. I want your favor. I want your anointing. But we don't take ser sin serious enough. And God is saying, I, I've got, and, and Pastor Mario said it perfectly, I've got so, I've got that dump truck of blessings. I want to, do you not believe that God wants to bless us? He wants to pour out, Malachi says, blessings on, and it's not just financial. It's physical. It's spiritual. Listen, I'd rather have the peace of God and the presence of the Lord than anything else in the world. Any money, any houses, anything else. Just the presence and the peace of God. How many want that in your life? Just to know that you are right with God is better than anything else in the world. It's the greatest riches. He has all this blessing for us. And he has blessings that we're not even asking for. That's the kind of God he is. The Bible says he'll, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And so he says, I want to bless you, but you're not taking this sin thing serious enough. You think it's, you think it's a game. You think it's a toy. You think you can mess around with it. You think it's not that big of a deal. It's the, little it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And a lot of times it's not that big, huge affair or that big, huge robbery. It's the little lies. It's the little give an inch, give a centimeter, give a little bit. And, and then the devil's just like, he, he's, you know, he's got a lot of time. He's patient. He's been doing this for a long time. So Jesus is serious about it and he says, if your eye, and then he says, even your good eye causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. That's pretty serious. If your good eye causes you to sin or lust, gouge it out. He doesn't just say nicely, take a knife and he says gouge it out. That's pretty and New Living Translation, the New King James says, pluck it out. And it says, and throw it away because it's better for you to lose one part of your body and for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Amen. Oh, Jesus never talked about hell. What Bible are people reading? Right? Oh, Jesus is just love. What Bible are people reading? Yes, he's love. And he loved us so much that he gave his life on the cross. And he would love, you know what he would love? He would love for people to take Christ serious. To take sin serious. To take the things of God serious. Amen. He took things serious. And he says, and if your hand, and that, I like what the New Living Translation, even your stronger hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. See how Jesus, is anybody seeing tonight? And listen, I'm, I'm just going to, this is all I'm going to talk about. Just this one number. 
I thought I was going to get through five or six. But there's a lot right here. And the key church that I'm talking about tonight is understanding that God wants us to take these things serious because he took them so serious. And he's saying, I've got lots of promises for you. And here's the thing. He's already made all the disclaimers. He's already told us. I, again, I can't say that enough, how thankful I am for Jesus, that he, he laid it all out. He was honest about it all. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. He really talked more about the cost than he did the price. Remember when I was telling you how a salesman is always going to talk to you about all the benefits and then they're going to tell you the price? Jesus talked about the price and then he talked about the benefits. He said, this is, is going to cost you your life. But how many know the benefits that Jesus has for us are amazing, supernatural, eternal, unexplainable, unfathomable, um, undescribable, his blessings, his streets paved with gold. Amen. I, I always think about that, how amazing that is. Like That's like the, the least important thing on this earth is a street, and God's like, I'm going to pave that with gold. Right? Can you imagine what the houses look like? So he's got all this prepared for us, but he's like, I just need you to take this discipleship thing seriously. And if you will, if you will discipline yourself in instruction, I will do some amazing things in your life. But how many see tonight that this all goes back to what we started off with, our attitude? Understanding that Jesus is asking us to do things different than the world. The world says, do what you want to do. Do what feels right. Do what feels good. Everybody just does and says and goes what they feel like doing but that's not what Jesus said. He says, I've got something for you, and I want you to follow me, but I need you to leave all of your desires behind. I need you to take up your cross, and I need you to follow me. And, I'll, and I will then give you the grace to be able to follow me the way I want you to follow me. But again, Jesus is not going to ask us to do these things if he hasn't given us the power to do them. How many see tonight in this example right here that Jesus takes the Old Testament and makes it even harder? Did y'all see that? He goes, it's not just the physical act. It's the, it's the heart that you even thought about it, that you even look at another woman with lust in your eyes. Or another one would be if you even covet that thing that's not yours, that's your neighbor's. If you, if you want that, that all, the, all the Ten Commandments, you can take those and take them to another level. He says, if you even think it. He says that about stealing. He says it all kinds of things. About murdering. How many people murder people in their heart? Oh, I've never killed nobody. How many people do we have today on death row spiritually? Spiritual death row. They haven't thrown a physical rock, but they have absolutely killed people in their minds. Hatred and unforgiveness torn people down and they're spiritually sitting on and they think they're going to heaven remember forgiveness remember if you don't forgive you can't be forgiven think about it Gabe, Gabe's not here tonight because his cousin that helped him organize the entire funeral for his daughter's mom died 
yesterday. They can't catch a break. But the reason I mentioned Gabe is because people are going through things. And one of the things that blew me away when I was talking to him was when he sat there at his table in his dining room and said, I don't hate this guy. I thought, what a miracle. You talk, that's God's grace. And he told us at discipleship last Friday, I'm, I, I'm mad at myself that I don't hate this guy. Because the world would tell you, how can you not hate this guy that killed your daughter? But how many know that he is way ahead of the game with that? Because if you hate someone, and every right to do it, but we would see in another number there in the, in the Gospels here that Jesus would say that you actually have to not only forgive that person, but you have to pray for them. See how Jesus raises the bar? Get it out of your head that this is easy. It's not easy. It's tough. But it's the best thing you'll ever do in your life. And God will help you be that disciple he's called you to be. Because he's not asking you to do anything he cannot do or that he has not given you power to do. Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. Father, I want to be a disciple. I want you to raise up disciples in this church. Men and women who are not ashamed of the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ. Father, all across this place, you're dealing with us. Lord, even as your word was being preached, you were dealing with things that maybe had nothing to do with the exact verse that I was reading. But your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. Dividing bone and marrow, soul and spirit piercing our hearts, checking our motives. Lord, every day we have to get up and we have to work. Listen, church, what Philippians says, work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. If you have to look inside you have to look up to God. You have to have that vertical relationship that says, Holy Spirit, examine me. Examine me to see that I'm in the faith, that I'm not disqualified. Jesus, you have men and women in this place here who have a desire to serve you, a desire to live for you, a desire to die for you, to, to be examples of you, Father, but we need your help. In our flesh, we are weak. But your word says in our weakness, you are strong. And you can help us tonight. The more we fall in love with you and the more we love you with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul and our strength, the more we hate sin. And the more we hate things that don't please you. And Lord, we ask you to help us tonight to be disciples. Tonight across this place, Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You haven't become yet a follower of Christ. You've heard of him. You've heard about him. You know about him. You might even believe in him. But you've never given him your life and you've never been born again, as the Bible says. How many in this place, all across this church, from front to back and side to side, with honest hearts, say, I need to be born again tonight, would you just lift up your hand, put it right back down all across this place, you're talking to me tonight, I'm not saved, 
to be born again. That's me. All across this place. You're backslidden. You're running away. You're going the wrong direction. You, at one point, had fruit in your lives. You were doing godly things. Friends have gotten around you. Influences have came around you. You began to be influenced. You're starting to think things you never thought you'd think. Say things you never thought you'd say. Watch things you never thought you'd watch. And tonight you need to come home. You need to get back, back in love with your first love, Jesus. How many would say that's me tonight? Just put your hand up and put it down. I see your hand. Honest hearts. Amen. Honest hearts. God looks for our honesty. And the good thing is, it's just one step back. Tonight you just say, God, I'm sorry for falling short. I'm, I'm sorry for the mistakes I've made. I'm sorry that my heart's not right. And he is willing, the Bible says, to, to forgive you if you'll confess those sins. Let's stand tonight all across this place. Amen, church. The Holy Spirit's speaking to us. I feel his presence here. I feel his anointing here. You know, the presence of the Lord is even stronger when God looks down and sees his people with a desire to, li to live for him. A desire to be right. A desire to honor him. How many know we're going to make mistakes? We're going to fall. We're going to fall short. Some, and sometimes we're going to do things we didn't even know were wrong. Or sometimes we're going to have the wrong attitude. Or sometimes we're going to get caught in that thing that we know. But God's looking for that immediate response of repentance. It's, I, know, I shouldn't have done that. And then he's hoping that you don't do it again the next day. That you change that. That you don't become habitual in that sin that those things are far and few in between and you're trying every day to walk in that grace of God, to walk in that calling that is high, high calling. How many know it's a high calling tonight? God gave his very best. We need to give our very best. Amen? Tonight, let's talk to God. Let's find a place. Let's spend some time with the Lord. It's early. Let's talk to the Lord and let the Holy Spirit deal with us. On all, whatever area the Holy Spirit talked to you tonight as we